fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. Now, this is the show that takes your favorite fictional science and technology, and we make it a reality. Who is this we? We are the Brain Trust. I am the analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn, with me. Physics phenom, Dr. Michael Dennett. Well, it's great to be here again. Another video game uh, week for us. And mm -hmm. I kind of like this one from the point of view that many of the versions, I don't have to worry about if I'm running in a straight line or not. Um, now, eventually you do, <laughs> but, you know, early on, it's just right and left. And, you know, that's really my specialty, Dan. Yeah, no, I think so. And, you you know, when you get to that 3D world, when you hit Mario 64, things get a little different. It becomes a little more three-dimensional. And I imagine you have a little hard time with that, Denon, or are you okay with that? Oh, space? yeah, that, that is my downfall. Yeah. That is my downfall. That's where, that, that's, where you're, that's where you peaked. You had peak Mario at that point, peak ability. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I know someone who is always operating at peak ability, and that is our enigmatic engineer, <laughs> Ben Seepser. Ben, where in the Mushroom Kingdom are you broadcasting from this week? You know, Dan, I found myself outside this beautiful castle out in the countryside. There's a princess in the stained glass on the front of it, and I really hope she isn't in any danger. I hope not. If she's in stained glass, I mean, she's, she's you know, being agilized, right? Agilized. Wait, agilated. Agile. Adolicized. That's the word I'm looking for. I saw it on a TV show. I thought I would throw it in there. Decided I'd screw it up. Uh, but one thing I don't screw up is my ability to, the, my mastery of film and television. And I'm going to expand it a little bit here, guys. I'm going to expand it to video games. I'm going to add that to my list, a video game historian, because I have seen the evolution of Mario since Donkey Kong, even to the little-known Mario Brothers, onto the Super Mario Brothers world. And what's kind of interesting about Mario and the franchise is this. There's very little that has changed over the course of the Mario Brothers world. Super Mario Brothers 3, you had the Koopa, kid, the Koopa Kids and you had the, 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 the castles that we all see. Super Mario Brothers 2 is super weird and takes place in this dream world. Highly underrated game. And Super Mario World added, added a lot of fun stuff, including Yoshi. But besides some of these little advancements, it's relatively the same. The same effects are being utilized now. And I'm curious, Denon, I'm going to start with you first. As someone, you know, you, you've said you've, you've grown up in the 80s, you knew video games. I'm sure you played Donkey Kong. I'm sure you played Mario Brothers. Where was your first introduction to this world and how did you like it? So probably my first introduction was Donkey Kong. And this is the embarrassing thing, Dan. I really didn't become a Mario World player. You know, I was much more into a bunch of the other arcade games, particularly, you know, anything involved flying or space stuff or shooting at things. Um, but in, in my elder years, as I've matured, sure. um, I've really come back to the Mario world through a, a sort of interesting avenue of a combination of Mario Kart, mm -hmm. um, Super Smash, or whatever it's called. I never get that That's name right. right, and my kids laugh at me That's every right. time. Mm -hmm. um, that I am, I am so awesome at just randomly smashing buttons. You would not believe Dan, <laughs> um, and, um, and and just strange things happen. Yeah. And then finally, of course, recently being introduced to Mario Party, the game I think that causes our family to fight more than any other game. I've discovered my children are highly sarcastic um, <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> in ways I had not appreciated. Yeah. Um, apparently, um, 
constantly looking at the map wrong and being incredibly slow with your buttons is a faux pas in um, Mario Party. Um, but we, as we've discussed, I'm not fast at pushing buttons. So that's really my Mario history there, Dan, in a nutshell. I um, probably revealed too much, you know, but I hope our, our viewers, you know, appreciate my pain and joy as I've gone through this world. Well, I love, you know, one of the cool things here is that Donkey Kong, you mentioned that first. And in that game, he's actually a carpenter. Most people think of him as a plumber. You know, he's really a, a hero for the blue-collar workers, right? I mean, he is a guy who's kind of done it all. Um, and he was originally named Jumpman because he just had incredible hops. And then he got renamed to Mario, had a girlfriend named Pauline. I don't think it worked out because I don't think that that's the Princess Peach that uh, is appears in some of the other ones. Uh, but, you know, when we get to Mario Brothers, he becomes a plumber. But I'm curious, Ben, as someone who probably came along a little bit later in the franchise, you know, where do you stand with Mario Brothers? Did you play it? Did you like it? Uh, and, and do you play it now? You know, it's interesting. I'm, tr I'm trying to plumb the depths of my memories here <laughs> yes. to remember w which game I played first. Because the my 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 youth uh, community center had a Donkey Kong cabinet mm -hmm. in it. Oh wow! And I definitely played that. Oh, that's cool. Um, but we also at one point I borrowed somebody's. Uh, Game Boy and played the you know the original Game Boy Mario mm -hmm. and I'm you know boy I cannot remember which which one was I played personally first interesting but I remember both I remember being actually terrible at the Game Boy and my sister was very good at it and that was uh, <laughs> that's the one who pulled uh, your pants you know, down one, right? one of the uh, yeah. the start of our you know our that acrimony I'm sure <laughs> started right there on the borrowed Game Boy trying to play Mario Brothers. Which culminated in your famous depancing uh, during a karate at, at, tournament. At karate. Yeah. 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 No, it was just a class. It wasn't. You know, <laughs> That's not what I heard. Oh, the story has grown. The story has grown, Ben. In, in the world's imagination, it was apparently a karate tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A televised, a nationally televised karate tournament. Yeah, That's how I, I heard as, it. As my, like, barely white-belted uh, self <laughs> at a tournament. <laughs> well, you know, I love that you mentioned Super... So it's Super Mario Brothers, Super uh, Super Mario Land is the Game Boy version, and I, I love that. But when I go back, that was a really hard to see. You know, the Game Boy uh, famously was... When I got that for Christmas, that was my favorite gift of all time. I remember being a little kid, uh, and actually, my grandmother doesn't know that. My grandmother, who's still alive, who bought me the Game Boy, does not know this, but I remember going over to her house, and she had all the gifts in, like, a bag. She didn't wrap them. She had them in a bag with, with stuff, with, like, uh, tissue paper on top, and I remember peeking back there when no, when everyone was at dinner and I looked in and I saw it was a Game Boy and I was so excited I couldn't contain myself uh, and so that I remember that game I remember because it was my first game that I played so that that has a lot of history with me um, and so one of the things that I think when we're talking about the Mario Brothers we everyone knows who the Mario Brothers are I think and we're going to get to some of this in this episode but to me they seem like extraordinarily underappreciated as superheroes because their abilities would would almost seem superhuman. They're they're capable of incredible feats of athleticism. Uh, they're, and they're two brothers. They're fraternal brothers, Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. Uh, probably the silliest name 
uh, and I'm guessing that must have been some kind of accident, <laughs> but maybe maybe that was designed from the beginning. And let's keep in mind here, guys, from an athletic standpoint, you know, Mario's 5'1", five, five, you know, roughly, I think that's roughly your size, Denon. Luigi's 5'9", <laughs> roughly your size, Ben. They're not the six-foot athletic specimens that I would be. If I could break bricks, you know, people would probably wouldn't bat an eye, which I can't do it. But that's what makes them so special. Um, so, you know, Tech Radar, I'm going to put this on the website. They did some great calculations of their abilities, but I want to talk briefly about their incredible strength. Um, you know, let's go with you first, Ben. As someone who was a white belt, you had your pants pulled down. I imagine that rage fueled you to break boards, uh, you know, maybe break a brick or two. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about his incredible strength and how bricks play into this whole situation. Yeah, uh, I, I did make it to yellow belt eventually before I quit. So incredible. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Well, a little respect, you know, yeah, all the way to yellow belt. Sure. <laughs> uh, but I think it, what, what's really fascinating about the brick breaking, and unfortunately, I never got to break the boards or the bricks in, you know, my martial arts classes. Uh, but what's interesting is to remember that different materials are strong in different ways. Some materials are good at being compressed. Some materials are good at being stretched. And bricks are the ones that are good at being compressed and not at being stressed or strained or twisted. So when you think about punching a brick, you know, yeah, you might break your knuckles, but, you know, maybe he's got, you know, some fancy gloves. Well, they do have fancy gloves on. That's yep. probably helps. It sure does. Uh, <laughs> and so bricks are terrible at tensile strength, at torsional strength. And so it's not crazy to be able to punch a brick. And that's why we see relatively normal martial artists being able to break them. And I also think here's something else to keep in mind is just the physics of the breaking process. Um, it, it has a lot to do with how you actually get the energy into the object, how you transfer your momentum and energy, you know, the speed of your strike, where your strike stops. There's a lot of really, really cool physics in the martial art act. And what I love about their form of breaking is how much it's really a jump break. It's mm -hmm. not really a punch. Right. Right. Their right. arm is usually fairly straight out. Um, and it's an interesting concept to use the legs, which we know tend to be much more powerful and strong to get the speed and quickness and keeping your arm fairly rigid and straight gives an interesting way of transferring that momentum and energy into the brick, making it more likely to shatter. So I, I really like that element of it, Dan. Well, I will tell you uh, as a black belt, you know, I got a little further past than yellow belt, didn't have my pants pulled down. That's the last time I'm going to mention that. Um, but I made it to black belt and I did break, I, I didn't break bricks, but I broke boards. Um, and, the, you know, they might have been plywood. I don't know how it really worked because I wasn't uh, when I think of board, I think of like real wood, like taken from like a, <laughs> like a forest. You know what I mean? Like not like plywood. Right. Um, so I can't say that I could break bricks. But what I will say is that there are Shaolin monks who can do this. I'm going to put some videos up on the website. And this is kind of amazing. I saw a guy, you know, smash a piece of iron with his head. Now, the, one of the one of the urban myths is that Super Mario is actually cracking the bricks with his head. He is not he is punching them and in the same video you do see people chop through bricks and not the ones with holes in it like solid bricks now i imagine maybe i can't imagine there's much trickery here there has to be some technique right but it's still pretty impressive to chop through so do you guys think that maybe mario and luigi studied karate at an early age and this has something to do with it I think they've mastered the famous Italian form of karate that mm -hmm. is um, little known in the world. <laughs> sure. But yes, I, <laughs> I, 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 I do think they did. If more importantly, 
Um, what I'm going to go with, Dan, is that they studied and deeply understood physics. We know physics is the key to everything. And if you understand the physics of the materials of the brick and the way to transfer the energy to it, breaking them becomes much more straightforward. Hmm. So probably some karate, almost definitely physics. As I tell all students coming into college, really, if you want the best major, you got to pick physics because it leads to everything else. <laughs> well... Uh, and I like that you bring up the physics because to be an excellent plumber, you've got to understand physics sure too. Do. You know, flow rates, uh, constrictions, and all the stuff that goes into making plumbing work at all and keeping our society clean and not full of sewage. That's all thanks to the physics and, of course, the engineering too. Uh, <laughs> that I'm sure Mario and Luigi have studied uh, in depth. <laughs> And Dan, I would be remiss if I did not mention the role of foam in both material um, and material building and in plumbing. You would be remiss um, for sure. You know, as we know from the foam version of Liquid Plumber. So, you know, it's all coming together here, Dan. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's a great point, both of you, because he really didn't start breaking bricks until Super Mario Brothers. And that was after his carpentry career in Donkey Kong. And he started doing, you know, he t teamed up with Luigi, did plumbing and Mario Brothers. So I think you guys are onto something here. But I'm I'm gonna throw a little monkey wrench in that little maybe maybe a teaser for the for the future because I'm going to, I think there's a clue to what's going on here in the original manual for Super Mario Brothers in the storyline. Let me read you a paragraph here, if I may. One day the kingdom of the peaceful mushroom people was invaded by the Koopa, a tribe of turtles famous for their black magic. The quiet, peace-loving mushroom people were turned into mere stones bricks, and even field horsehair plants. It's very specific. And the Mushroom Kingdom <laughs> fell into ruin. So I think there might be, maybe these aren't quite the bricks that we think they are, uh, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to move on from that for a second. I might come back to that. Let's talk about that jumping that you alluded to, Denon. Uh, I want to tell you about a, a, a Guinness record that kind of blew my mind. It's a guy named Evan Unger. I'm going to put this video up on, on YouTube. Now, he was 5'10", you know, roughly about Luigi height. And he did a standing jump of five foot three inches. Now, this is not running. You know, we look at the cardio that these guys have as well. Um, you know, up to speed, Mario's about 11 miles per hour. That's not particularly impressive. Top sprinters can be, you know, 25 miles per hour. Um, top marathoners, though, can go about 12 miles per hour. This isn't incredible speed, but let's use that speed plus their strength. Um, is this giving them the boost, uh, both jumping and power? I'm curious the physics of this, Denon. Oh, I, I definitely think so, Dan. I think their their leg strength um, is clear. What's interesting, yes, you mentioned that their average speed is not that great, but I I really feel like there's bursts there mm -hmm. that are much higher than their average speed. Um, and and you know this could be just you know me um, being confused by playing Super Smash and hitting the buttons extra fast. <laughs> but I do, <laughs> right. I, I do think there's a burst speed, sure. and it's the burst speed that comes into the braking power, right? Um, the quick twitch muscles, as we've discussed before, I think really it's how quickly you move on the jump that gets the braking. So there is a connection. I'm with you, Dan, on that. You know the legs are key here. Um, uh, but I think it's slightly different abilities in the jump and the long-term running. Um, but it all comes down to versatile leg muscles and uh, in a way, and this is what makes them the superhero, right? Yeah, yeah. Most people can only do one or the other. I mean, to blend both powers together, I think is really the, the cool thing here. Yeah. Well, I like, I like that you brought up the versatility of the leg muscles because 
we're, we're leaving out one incredible power, which is their ability to fall from very high places and keep running. <laughs> right. uh, you know, you look at some of the falls these guys take yeah. and they're, they're still going. That's incredible. No, I don't know anyone who can jump, you know, five, six stories down and go off at a sprint right away. So, and as I recall, Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, Dan or Ben, they, they don't waste time landing in that funky superhero land. They just jump, land go. and go. Mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. right. Well, or if they're really good, they land on a, you know, a Goomba or a Koopa uh, while they're at it, you know, so it's multi-purpose, you know, they're killing a baddie and landing from some incredible height all at once. Uh, it is true. And, and I mean, that is a really great point. Uh, and, you know, the power of their legs, uh, it can't be understated. But here's where Super Mario Brothers gets a little crazy is they have, you know, we've got these base powers that they have, you know, these borderline superhero, super, you know, borderline superpowers. But now we've got power ups. So these are things that Mario finds in this world that actually augment his already incredible abilities, including mushrooms. So he, when he gets a hold of a mushroom, he starts out small and he gets the mushroom and then he grows in size. Now, this is kind of interesting because it's A, instantaneous. Uh, now, it is a large mushroom. I'll give you that. But it seems to be instantaneous and there seem to be very few ill effects. Let's talk about how this could work, Denon, because uh, I feel like there's a conservation of energy mass. There's something crazy going on here. There is something challenging about the speed, Dan. You've identified that right off the bat. Let's first just take the basic physics principle of growing. You know, you've got the challenge. I think the bones have to actually grow. There's no other choice here. It's not like a sudden change of something else. Right. Right. Now, they are encased in skin. So as the bones and muscle grow, you, you can ask, is the skin growing or is it just stretching? Skin is much more uh, of an elastic material. The skin could be stretching. So you're really just adding mass to the bones and the muscle. Uh, but you, you've identified the key problem here. You know, is the mushroom, I, he doesn't even really eat the mushroom as far as I can tell, right? right. And this is the interesting thing about the power-up. Now, it could be that we are just viewers into the world and this is representational to us a little bit, you know, um, so that we don't see the whole process because we'd be bored by it. Right. But I, 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 think, I think, you know, it, rapid growth does happen in some places. We are working on healing and rapid growth cells. There's a biological engineering there. So I'm, I'm wondering, Ben, is, is, is this really, you know, advanced bioengineering to get rapid growth? Um, because the basic physics, if you have the time scale right, I'm not too worried about. Yeah, that's a really interesting uh, thought that it's some sort of bioengineering effect. And, you know, Dan, you you mentioned uh, conservation of mass. I I think the mass part we can be okay with because the mushroom is huge. The mushroom is as big as Mario. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we don't have to worry about where the mass is coming from, I don't think. You know, that assuming that mushroom's mostly water and heavy, you know, you can get kind of the same weight out of it. Uh, So... What's interesting is, yeah, can we create a body that can consume the energy, the matter in that mushroom really quickly to grow? And, you know, maybe maybe it's not all biology. Maybe there's, you know, maybe there's like a little cyborg kind of mm. thing going on or something else <laughs> where, you know, they're not just humans. They're able to grow because they, they're given the nutrients, the power, the fuel, whatever is in this mushroom, and it allows them to grow really quickly and kind of maybe more... Uh, you know, you know, morph into this new taller form. 
I, I don't know, Dan. I, I have to interrupt mm-hmm. here. Um, added suspicion when 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 Ben went right to the maybe they're cyborgs, yeah. um, you know, and and the the growing suspicion of Ben as a cyborg. <laughs> I, I don't know, feeling the family connection. Um, and, and and Ben said something that really stuck with me because we've established in a prior episode that my understanding of biology and gut bacteria was really bad when I was connecting the gut and and what was happening in the mouth. So I'm just going to double down on that and say, you know, they are fungi. Yeah. And fungi remind me of bacteria for no reason that's really good or viable. But you can imagine that that the fungi breaks down into biological, Mm -hmm. not cyborg, biological single cell um, entities that are absorbed through the skin and add very quickly to your structure that way as the single cell elements of the fungi mutate into the appropriate cells. So stick with me. It's basically a stem cell mushroom. Hence the stem on the mushroom. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah. Another thing to think about is, you know, fungi in some ways are close. You know, they are close to bacteria, but they're also closer to animals than, say, plants, even though they kind of look like plants. So for all we know, the mushroom is kind of just growing into an, uh, the other half of Mario. And, you know, it, it's not even a uh, it's not even consuming the mushroom, which we don't see. It's the mushroom transforming into a Mario-shaped object with a Mario in the middle. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, with the cyborg, I was going to say that explains his incredible feats of strength and cardio uh, and jumping. Um, but I, we're taking it in a weird place. This is almost getting a little trippy, guys. But that may be just a place we want to go. Because here's the thing. The mushroom that he eats, it's got a white stem It's got a red cap and white dots on it. Now, some people may know that as the Amanita muscaria mushroom, and that's a psychedelic mushroom capable of inducing the following perceptual effects. Macrophysia, where things seem larger, or microphysia, where things seem smaller, right? So it is possible here that after taking in this mushroom through whatever means you guys want to say, that he is actually (laughs) feeling like he's doubled in size or feeling like he has halved his size. And to me, that not only explains what's going on with Mario, but possibly that crazy idea that he's half mushroom that that Ben suggested. Well, you know what? There's a piece of this, Dan, that I think it really helps with. Um, Though I I felt comfortable explaining the physics of him growing through absorbing the stem cells of the uh, mushroom fungi into his body, um, the the rapid shrinking after a set amount of time is, I think, the harder part. Um, Luckily, you didn't ask us to explain that, so I was feeling very confident in my answer. Um, But the psychedelic explanation could lead to an understanding of the sudden shrinking after a set amount of time because we all know psychedelic effects do wear off and they are finite in time. So I, I think... Well, it's not it's not a set amount of time, Denon. It's when you get hit by another creature and maybe there's a psychological component that he's been hit and now he's felt emasculated or feels less than and so that reflects in his perception of himself which then takes an actual physical form in the psychedelic uh, vision. Well, I like that correction of my stake even better, Dan, mm-hmm. <laughs> because there is even less explanation of why you would shrink when you got hit. Right. Um, but if it's psychedelic and you're getting hit, obviously getting hit affects your brain and would make you shrink. Um, clearly, there's a lot of confusion in psychedelic stuff going on. But Dan, I know something that's very real. 
Um, and for our listeners who can't see, I'm holding up a very real you mug. You are? Holy, yeah. <laughs> this is this is not psychedelic. That's IRL for um, sure. It has our pictures on it. It says, I am a physics phenom. Yep. Um, there is always some reality we can hold on, Dan. Thank and God. that's F Triple GBT merch. Yeah. So something is solid in the world no matter what. <laughs> it is tangible. And there's nothing more tangible than the things that you talk about skin growing and being able to adapt and form to muscles that are growing. Well, this shirt that we have on the merch store, which has our beautiful faces in emojis. Hold on. I'm holding it upside down. Now this will grow with you. It is stretchable, breathable fabric that just feels wonderful on your skin. It's a second skin. So just in case you have a sudden growth spurt, never fear any shirt from the F triple G BT merch store will be perfect for you. Uh, you should go there now and check them out. Well, and it's also important if you're growing a lot, you need to hydrate. So Great you can point. also have a handy FGGBT water bottle to keep your thirst quenched while you're out in the Mushroom Kingdom fighting Goombas <laughs> and such. Uh, I love that. I think that that's great. And when it comes to water, guys, what 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 is the opposite of water? Fire. When you in this game, you can pick up the ability to throw fireballs, the, the fire flower. And I think that this might be kind of interesting uh, before I give my opinion here, because I've got some strong thoughts here. I'm curious what you think, you know, generating fire, throwing fireballs. This is not something that is extraordinarily easy. So, uh, Denon, I'm curious, how would someone manifest a fireball and then chuck it at someone that's coming at them? So it's an interesting feature because, you know, on this show and in, in my career, we talk a lot about superpowers and the physics of it. And it seems like two very common superpowers are fire, shooting fire, controlling fire, or ice, um, shooting and controlling ice. And from my perspective, I think, shockingly, fire is the easier one um, because it really is ultimately kinetic energy of molecules and then perhaps combustion with oxygen, right? And to get things to burn is I think easier than people think because you know we don't hopefully do it all that often. Um, and so there's a lot of interesting ways you can think about controlling and manipulating fire. Mm -hmm. um, sure. And I think the most basic ones are all chemical. Mm -hmm. And so you take a flower, it perhaps has the, some of the key coatings on it that you then absorb onto your skin and you basically chuck out into the world in various ways and creates the fireballs. Interesting. So two big pieces. Two big pieces, some sort of coating when it's on your skin so it doesn't ignite with the oxygen. The act of throwing, I would argue, rips that coating off in the air as it flies through and exposes the appropriate chemical to the air and oxygen, at which point it ignites. So not trivial, not easy. I get that people may be skeptical, Dan, but compared to making ice shoot out, fire is trivial. Uh, I, I think it's important to look at the fire flower as, you know, there's two possibilities. One is the more, let's say, practical, where the flower is a representation of a flamethrower, basically. Mm -hmm. We all know flamethrowers are real. Mm -hmm. You know, the you know, Mario's a plumber, he knows how to deal with fluids and sure. have them moving. Sure. So, you know, the flower could simply just be spitting, you know, napalm, gasoline, whatever out. There's an ignition, it's easy. But well, relatively easy, as, as flamethrowers go. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to go with the, the abundant amount of methane that can be found in, in a sewage pipe. That's where I thought you were going to go. With that, that is also possible. Yeah. But, you know, methane more is a torch than a flamethrower, <laughs> sure, perhaps. Sure, sure. But yeah, it's all kind of the same. Uh, but the other possibility is this is more biological. And there are creatures that do some sort of bi biological things. You know, I, we've talked, there's a, 
an animal called the bombardier beetle or bombardier beetle that spits out like kind of fiery acid stuff. And, you know, it's not outside the realm of possibility that this flower is doing something similar where it's spitting out this very caustic, very hot chemical that's more biological in nature rather than hydrocarbons, you know, pumped out of a tank. I love the fancy Bombardier beetle. That is, <laughs> that is, that's a cool beetle. Uh, the Bombardier, Bombardier, uh, you know, whatever. That's colloquial, but uh, Bombardier, 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 Bombardier. <laughs> I like that. Well, so what do you guys think about this? I, I, I think that this, the flamethrower idea I like, but I want to bring this a little more down to earth, and by down to earth, I mean let's let's go out into the stars because it's far out, man. I'm going to continue what I'm what I'm pitching here, which is that this is of another realm, of a psychedelic realm. The fire flower, it could be peyote, which exists in, in nature, or it could be a poppy flower. It looks very similar to a poppy flower, and you know there are some strange effects that can happen with poppy. That's where we get our opioids, and it gives you maybe the thought that you can throw these 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 flames when they don't necessarily exist. I think this there might be something to this. And the other one, you know, to go with your your idea, Ben, uh, if we're gonna make it practical, I thought maybe he was creating small little napalm balls, and he had those special gloves to punch bricks. That he was then throwing. Um, now, where he's keeping that napalm is a whole different idea. I don't have any. I don't have any clue. But what another thing that I think is also interesting here, along the same lines, one of the most powerful power-ups in the game is the Starman, aka the Superstar. And you know, this is this might be the ultimate delusion because he believes himself to be invincible. Uh, I'm not 100% sure how this works, but once he touches it. You know, he cannot be killed. Then I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the Starman, the Invincibility Star, and its effects on Mario uh, and his abilities? Well, you know, I think you have to realize that in a lot of the Mario worlds, Dan, there is some strange gravitational effects. We have seen that, you know, in many places um, where, you know, gravity is a little stronger, a little weaker in interesting directions. Um, so if we're in a world where gravity can be manipulated, you're basically in a world where you can bend space and time. And we know black holes are the ultimate bending of space and time um, and trap even light within them. Um, black holes are basically stars that have collapsed. So the star can be symbolic of gaining that power to warp space and time in such a way that you bend everything around you. Okay. Um, and so that you become invincible because nothing can hit you. Mm. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick in the realm of physics okay. here. I'm um, stretchable physics. Sure. I'm going to stretch the physics a little like we stretch space and time, <laughs> um, but say that I'm going to connect the star to the black hole to bend space. Like and that's really the core of his invincibility. You know, that's really interesting, but I kind of want to go back to the technology here. You know, is the star, you know, technology, you know, the, you know, the mushroom might be some sort of mushroom mech suit that, you know, Mario's <laughs> putting on, you know, maybe the star's another kind of mech suit Mario's putting on and, you know, he's able to run around, he's invincible, but unlike the mushroom, which, you know, falls off when it takes a hit, the star, you know, it's a much more powerful mech suit. So it's running on, you know, a limited source of energy. That's why it wears off after an, an amount of time, unlike 
all the other power-ups which you have until you get hit and fall out of your delusion. Interesting. I mean, uh, that that's a very StarCraftian way to explain it. I think we're still in StarCraft <laughs> mode, Ben. I do like this advanced technology describing <laughs> describing Super Mario Brothers. I, you know, I think it is something to do. Well, you know, Dan, not to interrupt you, but that makes a lot of sense because we know any advanced, sufficiently advanced technology looks like sure. magic. It's probably so advanced, we look at it and we, we just think star and magic because we are just unable to process the advanced tech underlying this. I mean, it's something I didn't consider because, you know, we talked about when he gets hit, he becomes small. You know, maybe there's something in that star power that makes him feel invincible. And then that reflects itself in this quasi real world that he lives in. Um, but, you know... However we decide that, the thing that is, I think, one of the most interesting elements, and this happened, you know, as of Super Mario Brothers 3, Mario was given the ability to fly. Uh, and it's not 100% flight. It's not, he's not flapping his wings. You know, he's kind of using speed to, you know, to, 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 create, to, to basically turn himself into a lift vehicle and then gliding his way down. Now, there's some interesting physics here because, you know, he's a small man. But, uh, you know, in, in stature, but he's very thick. He got these powerful legs that we talked about. So I'm curious, what are the physics of flying? How can he do this, whether it's via cape or whether through raccoon ears? What's he doing here, Denon? Well, I think we're going to have to go right to the obvious solution, mm -hmm. Dan. Um, and the obvious solution, you know, I feel like I was finally able to slip it in in a few places recently, but we had had a dry spell for a while where nothing was explained by foam. Right. And I think really, you know, <laughs> right shame. here, it, it's it's... I know. It's a real shame. I think the foam structure of his bones become obvious because it solves two problems. Way less material for when you grow the bones because we know a foam gets its you know integral strength but is very lightweight and doesn't have a lot of other material in it. And it gives him the effective density of birds. I mean, sure. we know it's birds mm -hmm. and it's their lightweight hollow bones that allow them to fly. So I, I think we, we are gathering enough evidence that clearly there is an internal foam structure to Mario that you know, connects him to his love of plumbing and the use of foams and plumbing. Um, and that is that is the core, the quintessential element of his flight hmm. skills. Um, and then, you know, he just has to engineer some lift to become the lift vehicle. But I leave that to the engineer to tell us <laughs> how it was engineered. Well, I think what's important when you look at a lot of the flying capabilities of Mario is he's all it's almost always based on spinning. You know, he's spinning around the and in the Tanuki suit, the raccoon suit, he's spinning around when he's got his cape. And so part of me is thinking, you know, it's not quite flying. It's falling with style. <laughs> I'll, uh, you know, buzz light here. Sure. But also the spinning, you know, we, we know he can has very powerful legs. So by doing a twist jump rather than just a regular old jump, he's able to kind of use these, you know, sticking out appendages of his his flight suit to spin and create kind of a helicopter lift force. And, you know, maybe, there, maybe there's a little something as part of the suit, too, that helps give him even more rotational, uh, uh, more rotational power, continued rotational power, so that he can continue to spin in the air and continue to fly based off of that, uh, you know, kind of pirouette uh, motion that he has going on when he's doing these m movements. I mean, that is a, I, I never really thought about that. So it's technique... And power that give him this ability. It's not necessarily uh, the suit itself, but that does give him the gliding effect. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. I mean, I, th I see the raccoon tail and the cape acting as an airfoil and the spinning that he's able to accomplish with his legs and, you know, as the way to 
use them as a helicopter, essentially. What, what I love about that, you know, I just did an episode about the history of the world in 4.6 billion years in a couple chapters with Henry Gee. I'm going to put a link up because what's interesting is how the dinosaurs became birds. And, you know, the, the thing that made dinosaurs get so big is their hollow bones. They had a, a, a structure inside where they would breathe in and they were air cooled. And so they were they were extraordinarily light. And also through the course of evolution, you know, certain animals developed these different types of um, expanded membranes, which allowed them to glide. I think it's interesting that in some ways, basically what you're saying, Denon, is that uh, instead of Yoshi being part dinosaur, that it's possible maybe Mario is part dinosaur. Uh, and when he's given those suits, now all of a sudden he becomes a quasi flying creature. Uh, what do you think about that? Oh, I think that's I think that's brilliant. Showing once again, uh -huh. Dan, that you are the analytical <laughs> mastermind, bringing it all together with sort of you know the pieces of physics and engineering yeah. that Ben throw and I throw out yeah. to you. You gather them up, you put them together, and you build the perfect analysis. I love it. Well, thank you. I didn't know that this was going to fly, so to speak. I didn't, think, <laughs> but it did, uh, and I'm glad that it did. The one thing I want to touch on very quickly before before we move on from Super Mario is this pipe teleportation system, which is kind of strange. I know that they're plumbers, um, but pipes seem to have a very major role inside the Super Mario Brothers world, including piranha plants that live there and they also shoot fireballs. <laughs> There's something very unique about this ecosystem that I just want to touch on before we leave the Super Mario Brothers world. Um, Denon, I'm curious, what do you think about pipes uh, from a physics standpoint? Do they make, any, they make it easier for a creature to live in them? Well, you know, pipes are very nice. They're, they're cylindrical. They're defensive. They have curved walls. Um, I do think it's kind of an interesting concept because many of us are, uh, you know, a little unclear what's living down in the pipes sure. and what might come back mm -hmm. up them. Um, we do put a lot of, uh, let's just say, gunk down <laughs> pipes and strange plants like um, piranha fireball <laughs> shooting Possible. plants um, are not totally out of the realm of possibility of what might, you know, um, let's just say evolve and grow in that gunk. So th that's just my initial <laughs> gut reaction to pipes there, that's Dan. That's brilliant. Mm. Uh, well, I think it's it's important to look at nature for this. You know, we have all sorts of carnivorous plants. You know, we have Venus flytraps. We have, uh, you know, trumpet flowers. We have all these plants that eat animals. And so, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility, obviously, for that. And I think it's also not out, out of the realm of possibility that these plants could be shooting caustic chemicals because there's a lot, oftentimes there are caustic chemicals in the plants, you know, a lot of times the saps are very irritant, irritating. You know, the the uh, the Venus flytraps have digestive juices that they secrete once they catch the flies. So why couldn't you have a plant that spit digestive juices at, at you, uh, much like, say, a, a spitting cobra? <laughs> Why don't we have these? That's a great question, Ben, because you laid it out there. Uh, I'm actually curious about this myself. Um, yeah, here's the thing. I'm going to come to a very strange conclusion. I think I'm going to try to wrap up this whole episode here, guys, because when we look at the pipes, you know, he's a plumber, right? Mario and Luigi are both plumbers. It, plumbing takes over your life. These guys work hard um, and they don't really get a chance to play hard because they're always trying to save a princess. And I think the fact that they're going into these pipes is a metaphor for just how all-encompassing plumbing is to, this, to these guys. And I think this is something they have to overcome. Well, why? Because it's all in their mind. Well, why is it in their mind? Because I believe 
that as I mentioned before with the Amanita mascara mushroom, the poppy plant, that this whole game is more like a vision quest. This is something that Super Mario has to, Mario and Luigi, they have to overcome some inner turmoil. Uh, and they have to overcome these manifestations that either happen in real life or in their mind or in some subtle combination of both in order to achieve whatever inner peace that they need to achieve or whatever message they need to get. Um, this is something that I think this is especially true in Super Mario Brothers 2, where literally the entire game is in fact a dream. Uh, so I don't know what you guys think about that. And I think there's something enlightening about both Super Mario Brothers journey and the journey that the three of us took to get to this point. Oh, I totally agree with you. And it now really does explain my experiences with Mario Party um, <laughs> and, and my own personal vision sure. quest um, through the maps in Mario Party, Dan. So I, I, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this to heart. And when I go back and play Mario Party again, it's going to be with a very a, a much newer, calmer me, um, you know, like having 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 a, that attempt to achieve inner peace um, through the vision quest. I, I, you've inspired me, Dan, and I'm, I'm definitely taking this with me. <laughs> inner peace through Mario. What about you, Ben? Did this help you achieve either Nirvana or are you now Nirvana adjacent? You know, I, I think this to me explains some of my favorite Mario games, Mario Tennis and Mario Golf a lot better <laughs> that, you know, when Mario, even when Mario relaxes uh, from his plumbing job, he's still imagining this world where, you know, even when he's out on the links or out on the tennis court, he's still got a Keep the keep the struggle in mind. <laughs> I think that's a good point. And the struggle, it's always present, uh, Ben. It's always there. We're always fighting against it. Um, but if there's anything else, is there any other struggle you wanted to mention? Is there anything about Super Mario Brothers, either the brothers themselves, the world, uh, the Koopas, Princess Peach? This is the place to do it. We're in our errors, additions, and omissions section. Things we wanted to talk about, but we didn't quite get to. Denon, is there anything about the Super Mario Brothers universe that you wanted to talk about that we didn't quite get to? Definitely, Dan. I want to add briefly, you know, just I've mentioned my great abilities at smashing buttons and Smash Brothers. I, I do think my, my lacking skill that I've been re-inspired to go back and embrace is the use of the power-ups. My kids insist on having all these weird things that you can pick up and do. Um, I always, like, am confused when I accidentally pick up a flower and start shooting fireballs instead of using my mm -hmm. weapon. Um, <laughs> but I have a, a deeper understanding now, and, and I'm going to embrace that also as part of my own personal vision quest to um, utilize power-ups in a much more effective way when I'm playing Smash and not just randomly push buttons and hope for the best. So I, I, it's less of an error and more of an inspiration. I, I, I've been inspired. Um, I have finally figured out throwing and using items in Mario Kart. That was a big breakthrough over the pandemic. You know, we, we all do grow at various moments in time. Um, so I, I will continue on my own personal Mario quest. Well, I will tell you that, you know, button mashers, that's step one right it's the control it's the mash control that really will get you to that next level Denon I think you're ready and I think you're well on your way uh what about you Ben is there anything that we didn't quite get to that you wanted to talk about well you know in, in all this discussion it's made me realize I should never get in a car with Mario because if his state of mind from Mario <laughs> Kart is anything he clearly has some road rage issues and we should probably you know Drive ourselves or take the bus instead. <laughs> I think that, that that's some great that's some great advice, especially given how we've how we've described Mario Brothers. Well, I've got a couple of great ones here. Uh, so 
I loved the Mario television show, and as a pro wrestling fan, Captain Lou Albano as Mario, what gets better than that? Oh, I know what gets better than that, the Mario rap, which spawned a dance called the Mario, and I'm going to tell you, this is how you do the Mario. Swing your arms from side to side, come on everybody, do the Mario, take a step, and then again, Come on, everybody. It's time to do the Mario. And it's a simple dance. It's da-da-da-da-da-da, right? You're just moving your feet. Simple dance. It's easy. It's catchy. And it's perfect for kids. I love that show. And then and you brought up Gravity. There's an abstract that someone did about how gravity changes over time in the Super Mario Brothers world. I'm going to put a link to that on our website because I just found it incredibly fascinating. Um, but if there's anything you wanted to add to this discussion, you can get in touch with us on social media. It's the best way to do it. We're easy to get a hold of. We're on Twitter at FGGBTPod. We're on Facebook at FGGBT. But you can get in touch with us individually. Denon, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram. You just flip my name. It's at Denon Michael. And you can find me on Facebook with a prof. It's at prof Denon Michael. Ben, where can people find you? You can find me on all the major social media networks at B Seepser. How do you spell that? Spell that B-S-I-E-P-S-E-R. And I can be found on Twitter at Daniel J. Glenn, on Instagram at the Daniel J. Glenn, and on Facebook at Analytical Mastermind. And if something on this show inspired you to send in a comment, question, or even general correspondence, you can find our email address uh, right here on the screen or out of my mouth as I'm about to say it, which is questions at fgbt.com. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, please rate and review and don't forget to subscribe. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit the like button, subscribe, and ring that bell so you never miss an episode and you help us out with that algorithm. And finally, this show contains powerful information that can be misused by those hell-bent on world domination, be it this world or a mushroom-based universe. So remember, do you want to be good, use this power for good and be a superhero. Don't use it for ill and be a supervillain. So until next time, thank you for listening. Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production and is produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. Now, of course, if you're listening to this episode and you've gotten this far, you're going to want to subscribe. Well, how do you do that? We're on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. But if you're not already subscribed to those platforms, I made it easy for you. Go to our website, fgbt.com. You'll find links to those subscribe buttons and also links to our social media, both for the show and for our individual experts, the members of the Brain Trust. That's all right there fgbt.com and before you leave don't forget to check out our other episodes you can find the link at the top of the page for everything we've got and you'll notice that we've got both a youtube version and an audio only version depending on what you like we got it for you and if you do like those videos you can go ahead and subscribe to those as well we're on youtube.com backslash daniel j glenn and once again if you like this show you're gonna like everything that i do go to danieljglenn.com to find out more thank you for listening